Welcome to Pick Up Your Sticks, where we talk about why gaming matters with your hosts, Walker Neer and Brett Lindley. I'm Walker, and this week we are joined by special guest Trevor Gray, who's the owner and founder of Genesis Gaming, which features players in StarCraft II, Dota, Hearthstone, and CSGO. If you'd like to support Pick Up Your Sticks, you can always buy us a cup of coffee at our Ko-Fi page, which is ko-fi slash pod. All right, and as I said in the intro, we're joined this week by a special guest, but of course, we're also joined, as always, by my esteemed colleague, Brett Lindley. Brett, how are you doing tonight? Thank you, thank you. Pretty good. Awesome. And yeah, again, Trevor Gray from Genesis Gaming is our our guest this evening. Uh, Trevor, how are you doing tonight? Yeah, all right. Just a bit tired, but happy to be here. Yeah, well, thanks so much for joining. We're really excited to have you. We've uh, not actually had... Um, someone on the ownership management side of esports yet, and so it's pretty exciting for us to to kind of see what that side of the world looks like. Um, but yeah, so you're the founder and owner of, of Genesis Gaming. Um, how did that kind of come to pass? It looks like it just started maybe late last year in, in 2020. Yeah, it's uh, it's actually a rather complicated story with that, but um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> okay, so. I'll, I'll try and dial it down to like five, 10 minutes for just that. So um, yeah. I've been involved with esports since I was roughly five years old with Brood Wars. So that was back in 98, I believe, uh, when it was released. Um, and then in the mid 2000s, I got involved with managing a lot of the, the top Lord of the Rings online um, clans for Europe. So that was something that took up quite a bit of my time. Um, However, I didn't really know how to, I I sort of winged it as as most of the clan leaders did back then. Um, But it gave me a solid understanding of sort of setting up teams, uh, what content creators might be looking for, and just sort of what, what I could do that might benefit the other people in the team. that eventually spread back to SE2 in 2012 under an organization called Blue Dragon Esports in South Africa, um, which technically Genesis Gaming is a rebrand of Blue Dragon Esports. So I actually started as a player. Um, I was pretty terrible. Um, so we competed in a lot of the, the national cups and our main player competed in WESG in China for South Africa at the time. So I was involved with that, but um, I found that South Africa as an emerging market didn't really have any support for players and there wasn't really anyone else to learn from um, on how to make it successful and be able to help support, again, support the players financially. So we continued with that until about 2017 when I moved back across to Europe um, to sort of try and uh, set myself up here again. I stayed in the UK previously. Um, And from then I started playing a bit more, but got involved with sort of some of the behind the scenes and interviews with the Alpha X events. And that pretty much continued all the way until I was assisting with modding in their King of Battles tournament um, late last year. So 
at that time, I'd also been managing the SE2 team for Intensity Esports. Um, but after speaking with Sushi from Alpha X, I thought he, he had kind of suggested, uh, because I was looking at tournaments, why don't I look at setting up a team as well? Um, and it's something that I considered before, but I hadn't really been able to financially, as well as my time commitment was uh, was really limited. Um, but decided to sort of give it a shot. Um, and to be honest, the rest is pretty history on how it happened. But um, I approached Pili Pili, uh, who really I'd been watching for a while and I felt would be a, a really good fit. Um, he didn't seem to care about as much of the politics as what a, a lot of the others did. And he was just more interested in the vision behind it. So, yeah, I literally approached him going, by the way, we have nothing. We've been up for a week. And uh, would you be interested in uh, in coming on board? And he, yeah, he said yes. Awesome. So, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, that's sort of how I got in this position. But, um, yeah, it's it's been a lot of work since then to keep it going. So I'm going to completely jump back to, like, the second sentence you said because <laughs> uh, this is my opportunity to talk about an yeah. MMO in an episode, which, oh, as Brett knows... Oh, in a guest in episode. Hey! <laughs> we get to ring the bell at, like, the, the quick... Five minutes in. One. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, you mentioned that you started with managing a Lord of the Rings mm -hmm. online clans, and, yeah. and the only reason I'm curious about that, I guess, is that I understand StarCraft is, like, in competitive esport so yeah. i and i don't know what goes into managing that and we'll ask that in a minute but i'm i'm actually curious what what is managing clans and lord of the rings online because they're not competing really right like what does that look uh, like they they are or at least they were a lot more back then because okay. lord of the rings online was still it, it actually yeah when I got involved, people were still trying to figure out the first raids. Um, PvP had just been introduced. And, of course, just as you'll find a lot of wild clans, uh, oh, we took things way too seriously when it came to world, <laughs> world first, not wiping. Um, and, and the issue was, like, we had raids with Her Heligrod, which could take, like, 14 hours. Oh, um, wow. <laughs> however, if you wiped, you like that's it. Like you restart. Wow. So, <laughs> and you have 24 people, and yeah, it's it's very uh intense with that. Wow. Yeah, that's not just a lot to manage, that's a long time. That's yeah. some stamina that you've got to keep sharp the whole way through. Yeah. So yeah, and then you had, yeah, DKP points sort of for all your members for each boss. And then it was training runs, training schedules. We had probably five or six. I'd say for for practice leading up to the event, we'd probably have about 50 or 60 hours during the week before running the event. <laughs> wow. Well, I just found out live in real time that um... – I've only ever played in what I'll call the kiddie pool of MMOs because <laughs> I've never done anything like that. And I've played yeah. MMOs for a long time. Now, again, I'm not, I've never have been in like competitive guilds or anything. So it's reasonable, but uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's a lot more than, than I even anticipated. Yeah. It does. It does explain a lot more that there's 
probably more than just a, a little bit of a word doc going into your clan management there. That that resume yeah. building off of that is probably <laughs> complex spreadsheets and scheduling far beyond what a lot of people normally get into. Yeah. yeah. And that the the rage mechanics um within your players on the team right. is quite a um mm. well and I'm I'm sure at that point you're already jumping into the international scheduling too. Yeah. So you, that's yeah. a lot of that's a lot of experience to gain off of something like that that I don't think a lot of people probably think as much of. May, yeah. maybe in something like an Eve. Uh but yeah, that, yeah. Uh, that's definitely a good example. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, Eve is crazy. So I guess um, there's a lot of directions I want to go. I mean, I guess, yeah, I'll, I'll ask that next. I mean, so what what is going into being the owner of Team Genesis or managing it? Like, what is what does it look like from your side day to day? What, what do you spend your, your hours managing the team doing? Okay, so it's sort of changed a lot over the months. Um, fortunately at, uh, at this stage, we've been able to bring in three or four other people on the management to sort of help out. Um, but I'd say if I had to break it down into like 16 hours per day, um, I'd say probably three to four hours are on discord, DMs, which is answering either our players or answering players from our events. Um, I'd say probably about an hour is just dealing with sponsors just on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, events, probably another two to three hours a day. Um, social media, just overall promoting, um, creating content for another two or three hours uh and then we've got sort of the admin work with other tournaments organizers and th this is where it becomes difficult because it's not just se2 so we're dealing with south african tournament organizers we're dealing with ones in the philippines the us and in europe mm -hmm. so even though it might only be 20 to 25 minutes each it's you can't stack the you can't really stack them so yeah, it's, I'd say that's the majority, and then another maybe two to three hours of just speaking to players and just seeing how they're doing and if if they need anything else. Just yeah, that's that's the majority of it. But it's about I'd, I'd say it's probably between twelve hours on a really good day to like nineteen or twenty hours on a really bad day. Well, I don't mean to keep. You keep saying things brett certainly needs to ask a question or something i just have to say that is remarkable that you've made time for us so thank you for your yeah, generosity yeah, for sure. because that's insane uh the schedule you just described <laughs> <laughs> anyway i digress you just look into polyphasic sleeping maybe um <laughs> yeah um so i i do you brought up kind of a little bit of a point there which is there's again there's so many places we we want to learn and understand some um, one of them that you kind of mentioned there, which I would love a little bit more insight is you mentioned helping the players with whatever they need. What kinds of requests come from a player to a manager or owner? Is it, uh, you know, things outside of probably the obvious would be like scheduling or upcoming tournaments, but are you there to assist with like finding coaching opportunities or what other types of interactions are you having with the players and their team? Okay. So it generally ranges from 
the content creators to players because they've got obviously very different priorities a lot of the time. Um, but for content creators, it's generally working with them on promoting the channel, whether that's through sponsor opportunities, um, through Google ads, uh, sort of editing their videos. My background is I have been with Google for the last about year and a half. So I've got a lot of knowledge, sort of how the stuff works behind the scenes. Um, so I can help a lot with descriptions and tags on stuff like YouTube and sort of how the Google search algorithm works. Um, mostly with content creators, that is, that's pretty much all of the time with them. Um, or just messing them around on stream, which Pili Pili will tell you I mess him around for like an hour each time he streams. Um, so harassment, that's, yep. a, that's a big key part of owner managing. Yep. Okay. That's, uh, <laughs> um, I've actually paid an artist to come up with a new shirt at the moment that's going to be titled the Pili Throw, which uh, is in commemoration for all of the games that he throws. Um, <laughs> so that's, uh, yeah, <laughs> that's most of the time with content creators. It's that, um, for just making fun of them. And then the, the players, it ranges from practice partners. If there's some players that have them already, um, and there's some that kind of struggle with reaching out to people or they just don't have the contacts. So I'll help them out with that. Um, this is going to sound very strange as well. I help players in the team and not in the team see if there's better opportunities for them. Um, for instance, like let's say another organization was looking for players and I feel it'd be a good fit. I help them with that as well, introducing them. Um, we deal with the outs, the outer game stuff that I can't really go into detail with. But we have a, a wellness coach that's certified. We also have a certified psychologist that we can bring in for the players. So anything outside of the game, I'd help them with as well. If it's financial, um, players contact me if like, oh, by the way, my monitor's broke or there's a tournament in two days. We need to travel. Uh, like how can we... It, it, it's sort of acting as, um, yeah, I, I don't want to say it because, it, it yeah, I'm going to get ripped off for it when they hear it. But it, it sort of makes um, uh, a mom figure. To <laughs> to yeah, no, it's, it's, really, uh, yeah. it's really great to hear that you are. It, it's something that I think esports has been a little bit late to the game to, no pun intended there, but... I'm glad to see it more and more is wellness coaching and physical therapy and especially mental health and having all of that on board and available because life is stressful and it doesn't matter what activity you're in. You can use uh, somebody to, to riff on and understand your own psychology, the psychology of competition or just, you know, getting through a bad day. Um, we are huge advocates for mental health here as well as physical health. It, it took a long time and a lot of carpal tunnel su surgeries for people to realize that they should probably take care of themselves, even if they are just using a mouse and keyboard. So, Yeah, no, 100%. It's, um, I'd say as well, I'm, I'm noticing a lot more teams offering benefits like that. So I, I'm really happy to see that. Um, a, a lot of the time it gets, teams get too worried about their players' results. Um, 
and where it might be a player, and I've heard this before uh, in the past as well as recently, players are scared to take breaks because they don't know if the team's going to be willing to wait for them. Um, I have the sort of the opposite. When I meet with a player to bring them on, it's uh, real life comes first 100% of the time. I don't care. Like, don't try and explain to me that your mother is sick, your father's. Your son. If you tell me that there's a problem and you need to go solve, then deal, it, deal with it. It's I can be replaced in a second, but the your family and your own personal health and well-being can't. Um, as well as if you feel like mentally, SE2 is very demanding. Like it really, really is. And a lot of the time you start getting worried about losing yourself as well. If, if you feel like that, just take a break. Um, it's not going to end your career to take a break for a year uh, or to take a break for a week, a month. I think the Korean pros have showed us that going away from military uh, and coming back, it's, it really mm-hmm. is, no matter what anyone tells you, it is not. You will get that back, um, but it's better than crashing and then losing everything you've worked for. Yeah, I mean, to echo what Brett said, I think that sounds like a really uh, supportive and, and frankly healthy environment. And, I, I, you know, obviously you kind of joked about the, the mom thing, but I think that I understand what you're saying, and, and yeah. that's kind of a, a layman's way of saying it. But in truth, really what you're talking about is providing some form of mentorship and some form yeah. of just a support structure, which is not unique to professional athletes, right? Now, maybe... Yeah esports is is newer but i mean on a pro sports team all of that stuff is provided and not just pro sports teams even college you know college teams um provide a lot of that kind of support so i don't think that that's bizarre or um if anything i think it is evidence that esports continues to move closer and closer to be aligned with you know traditional sports or whatever you want to call it um a question i had for you that kind of relates to, to what we've been talking about is you know, for a long time, um, and again, I'm a complete outsider here, but for a long time, my impression of, a, especially StarCraft II professional team is that like, oh, well, they have a they have a house and they all live in the house together and they all, you know, it's like a, like the real world or something, except they're a StarCraft yeah. team. But I know that that's not really the case across the board at this point. Is the team house still like kind of an ultimate goal or is that more of a relic of the past? Or what, what is the thought there? I think there are pros and cons to team houses. Um, I, th- I can't really say which, which outweighs the other, but for me, I think it's going to become less important um, because, again, the strain that it can put on players. So... It's great that you're in a house with a whole bunch of your teammates and they can help you. They're physically there. They can help sit and coach you. But at the same time, when you're not playing well or when you are having that really rough day, all of your team members are sitting watching you. And you don't have that opportunity where now that's your work. So if you're in an office and you have to take a week off just for your own mental well-being, you can just go home. Um, whereas a lot of these players don't really have a second home away from the team house. And yeah, I, I, I just don't, um, I, I don't know how that's going to work in, in the long run. Um, 
I think it's better to have a team office where you could go in for the day. Um, all your others could come in just like a work environment. You could coach, you could work together, and then you can go home and not worry about that until the next day. There's there's no one that's going to walk up to your room as well. By the way, you haven't been practicing today. You haven't been doing this. It's like, no, just go away. Uh, I'll speak to you tomorrow. Um, yeah, no, just uh, as a separate note, just so because I, I know that may have been interpreted wrong as well. The reason I say that I'm going to be made fun of um, for saying that I'm sort of like a mom is because that is one of my reasons is I'm not their parent because <laughs> it's they it's like oh by the way my headset broke I want a pizza I want this and my a common joke that I use is I'm not your parent money doesn't grow on trees <laughs> so I'm definitely I, I can see it after that uh, I'm gonna be getting asked for where's my lunch <laughs> where's this or, Where's our know. mineral waterfall? Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Um, I need a massage. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. Um, but yeah, so, but yeah, going back to the team houses, I, I think a team office is a lot more of a, a safer and healthier alternative to a team house. Yeah, well, and I mean, again, to, to relate it to traditional sports, I mean, NBA teams don't live together, right? They yeah. go to the gym, they practice, they go home. Um, so I, what you're saying makes a lot of sense. Um, and yeah, I was just curious what that looked like. And, and I think, you know, dare I say, I, actually, I won't even say it. Something that came out of the pandemic, though, is that um, I think that as a world, <laughs> we were all kind of in forced to embrace a yeah. lot of the technology we have that allows us to connect remotely. And it turns out the technology is actually pretty good, right? It's not 2007 where we're all trying to be on TeamSpeak or something. You know what I mean? Like it's come a long way. Um, so I think the necessity for team houses is probably also just a lot less than it would have been 10 or 15 years ago. Yeah. I'm, I'm 100% going to get ripped off um, by the guys that know me for that comment as well, because I'm I'm one of the few people that still pays for a team speak server because I really like it. <laughs> <laughs> I well, almost said not Vitrillo, as... oh. so if that, oh, if that is worth mumble, anything, yeah, Mumble, <laughs> yeah. Vitrillo, Xfire, all the old stuff. Oh, nah. Right, everything hey, until Discord. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'll I'll still fire up Winamp every here and there, so oh, <laughs> it still works. It just it doesn't it doesn't stop working <laughs> yeah <laughs> so um being a relatively newer or a newer sc2 scene even though you've kind of rebranded and and been yeah. through some of that experience before and you have a lot of experience in it um is your team uh primarily or solely focused on sc2 uh and if so do you still see a significant influx of players in that area that's that's a difficult one. So I'd say about 80% of all of our stuff at the moment is SC2 related. Um, though I'm, as much as it's going to upset some people, I'm encouraging a lot of the players to, even if content creation isn't their thing, to sort of dabble in it a bit. I think that's um, very important going forward so that... Look, if, if you're a, a mid-level player, uh, like high, mid to high-level player, and you switch over from game titles, you might find that 
a lot of your following or fans or kind of drop off from that and i think content creators have a real advantage with that where even though it's like oh why aren't you playing this game you still have somewhere to sort of present yourself out to sponsors um so i have been pushing a lot of them to do content creation as well as getting involved in gates of power so yeah that's um that's that's a that, that's a lot of uh, what I'm doing at the moment, as well as AOE, just giving them other options. Um, what I generally tell a lot of the players as well is I would prefer to set them up so that they don't rely on us, so that if for any reason they want to go into another title or they just decide that you know what it's not for them and they want to branch out on their own. I don't want them to rely solely on the fact that, okay, Genesis, people know Genesis, and then they know the player. I'd, I'd rather them be able to build up their potential for income and a future that's separate to us. If we can help them with it, that's perfect. I'll do everything I can. But, yeah, I, I'd prefer them to bridge out as well. Yeah, it kind of seems like, you know, for a long time, there wasn't really a place for professional gamers to transition to once their career ended. Yeah. Now, as time has gone on, the age at which these careers end seem to be a little later. Like it used to be like if they were 20, they're like the old man on the block. And now it seems like, I, you know, I know there's Korean players in SC2 that are you know approaching 30, if not there already. Um, but if it seems like the content creation, the streaming, like you're talking about, really is kind of the the natural place to... I'm using air quotes here, retire to, but if, like, yeah. if you're not going to be competing professionally, a way to continue your trade as a, as a professional gamer and making money is through that content creation. Is that kind of where you're at as well? Yeah, that's, that's something that's, uh, I really don't see anywhere else that they can easily transition to. Um, even with other titles, like I mentioned, um, Immortal or AOE, there's a chance that they're just not going to be very good at that game. Like in all seriousness, they could be the best that you could be Cyril and SE2 and then suck at AOE. It's just, um, I, th I think that's the only chance that you really have going forward after you can't compete anymore, unless you're just going to drop it off completely. Um, yeah, it's, uh, I'd say for anybody that's, that's probably going to be the route that is the best for them to take. Right. So uh, to follow up on something Brett had asked, and I, I, just are there still a lot of new StarCraft II players coming into the scene? Because I, it, I mean, it's an old game at this point. I mean, old, it's, you know, a decade or so. But what does that look like? There are actually quite a lot, um, as much as people don't see it. So this isn't something that we've spoke about publicly. I don't think I've ever mentioned it. We actually have a separate group for players that aren't quite at that level to go full-time yet um but they are still we, we still help them out so you won't find them on liquipedia you won't find them on social media but the, like for instance we've got one player in there at the moment that is roughly 5.6k he's been playing for a year and he is 12 years old so 
Yeah. That's crazy. Um, wow. Yeah. And then we've got someone else uh, in South Africa at the moment that is nine and he is 5K and he's been playing for like six months. Holy so, cow. So yeah. It's, it's you're, really, you're really growing <laughs> your own player base here. Yeah, there's, <laughs> yeah, there's, there's still players. Um, I think it has died off a bit, but strangely enough, I've noticed, um, I think, uh, who was it? Was it Nate Short or someone else from 100 Thieves? commented the other day on Twitter, it's like, please bring back competitive StarCraft. So I think, um, yeah, it's like it, it kind of never left, but uh, <laughs> right. thanks for just confirming the, the fact that StarCraft, dead game, yeah. Um, but I, I, I've seen a lot of new people come in, um, like I've got a group of three others at the moment that are asking for help. They're probably in their late 30s, and they've just picked up SE2 like two months ago. They're better than I am now. So it's, um, right. but yeah. There's uh, hope. There's yeah, hope. There, there is hope. As, as <laughs> we long, can get out of know, gold. <laughs> who knows? Maybe that was the, the whole bug where it was placing bronze players into masters. Maybe that was just like an ego, <laughs> an ego boost for anyone new joining. It's like, yeah. Um, right. But yeah, I'd say as long as they don't kill it. Um, there should still be new players for quite some time. There's still nowhere else to go. Um, Immortal is really, like, I like what they've been doing. Um, we actually invested in, like, quite a bit in their kick fun, uh, like Kickstarter. But until that happens, for the general public, there is no other alternative to SE2. It's just right. you, you can't scratch that itch with any other title. Yeah, I mean, the only other really popular RTS titles that I can think of, and certainly I could be mistaken, but would be like AOE, like you've mentioned, yeah. and then maybe like Company of Heroes. But it seems like the communities for those are much smaller than StarCraft, which is a global <laughs> phenomenon. I'd say they're less fanatical than mm. SE2 fans are very... How can I very enthusiastic about their game? So, it's, so kind. yeah, that, that's that's uh, I, I don't think that it has the same. I mean, you'll find the diehard fans, but like when you just see people get pumped up for SE2 events, it's, it's just something else. When that massive baneling connection goes off for the disruptor shot, the nuke that lands and wipes out an entire army, even though that you were losing the game, um, yeah, <laughs> stuff like that. It's just Oh no, it, I haven't found it in any other title. Right. That is. That is. I mean, we've been in that same boat watching. It doesn't matter if it's, uh, you know, lower mid level plays or ultra high level plays. When you see the moment, yeah. I, I shout and scream like I'm the yeah. only one there. It doesn't matter. I'm. I make ooh faces and throw my hands or my eyes yeah. and yell at the screen. So, <laughs> and it doesn't really happen in a, like an Age of Empires. I don't. Nah, there's no big. Moment, it's, right? Yeah. So you know, you've mentioned you know picking up some newer players and some varying skill levels. Um, what is it like to scout for a new player in something like SC two? Like in a traditional sport, you can kind of hide in the stands or show up at a, a yeah. you know, college game or something. Um, is it mostly like word of mouth, or are you using some other methods to connect with new uh, players and and bring them in? Okay, so there, there's a few. There's literally the case that I show up into a Twitch stream and then it's like, uh, I know it's going to sound stupid. It's not about money to me. It really isn't. And strangely enough, 
th this can be taken wrong. If a player is too interested in money, the chances of me being interested is it's just I'm not at all interested. Um, it, it's I would give them as much as what I possibly can. The players on the team can tell you that as well. Uh, I don't negotiate with when it comes to finances. I tell everyone exactly what we can afford and I give the maximum that we can afford. So there's no, there is no negotiating. Um, but I will show up into a stream and just give 10 or 20 subs, whatever it is, and see the reaction. Uh, and then I'll wait and I'll watch for a bit. And then, yeah, I'll generally just ask them right then and there on the stream if they'd be interested. Um, and I just judge their, re their reaction most of the time um, just from being asked. It's, for players, it's very different. Um, most of our players, I'd say everyone except from maybe two, approached us um, largely because of Pili Pili. It's, that, that was, uh, I will admit that, it was nothing to do with me. It was the fact that, oh, I want to be on Pili Pili's team. So, yeah, I'm sure I'm going to hear about that as well. Um, <laughs> You're not doing too much yeah. name dropping. It's yeah. fine. Yeah, it's, if they, uh, if they can show their own hand. If they want to out yeah. themselves, then yeah, it's <laughs> um, it's that's most of the time. It's just if people refer them to me. But otherwise, uh, otherwise, there has been players that I'll watch all of the events. So if it's Alpha X events, if it's Exxon events, uh, Africa TV events, doesn't really matter. And if I see a player that seems to have a really positive attitude i'm more likely to approach them um we've had a lot of players that approach us that are arguably of a higher their skill level is currently higher than our other players at the moment um but there just hasn't been any interest because of that again it's I'm very specific. I generally meet every single player that joins, whether they they could be 4K or 6K. It doesn't really matter. Um, but it's again, it's it's about that. Um, it's sort of the same way I work in business. It's that drive to improve, but at the same time, just I've got no no other way to say it. And I hope this is all right to say in the podcast. But it's just don't be a dick. Like that's. Pretty much the, the whole thing. Don't be a dick. It's uh, uh, We ask very little of the players, but one of the things that we ask is if there's other people on the team that have an event or tournament or they feel like they're struggling, now it doesn't mean you have to drop everything you're doing, but like take the time out to help them. That's uh, I'd, I'm going to be really disappointed if I get messaged by one of the players saying, hey, by the way, I need help with this. And they tell me, that everyone on the team just said no. That's that's really that's going to bother me, because if it got to that stage, I would rather just end the whole thing. Like the, there's really my passion for it was helping players grow and giving them sort of like a family environment that they always felt comfortable and that they could trust the people around them. And if you're just in there for your own personal gain. Chances are you'll never get in there, but if you are, you'd leave pretty quick. Um, yeah, that's uh, – sorry, I'll, I'll ramble on. Uh, uh, no, no, <laughs> please do. Like, this is – it. 
I, I'm always continually astonished at the amount of just community and good faith that I see in the StarCraft community um, from from the player side, because for one, it is a very intense game. And so, you know, you know, tensions and emotions can run high a lot. But outside of the match, it's always been very highly focused on community. And like you said, willing to grow players, whether it's with, within your team or from another mm-hmm. and just the amount of people helping people. I think a lot of times uh, people see the kind of the especially with content creators like streamers and stuff. It's based on who you are, but it is also uh, exacerbated. It's a character that you present. So a lot of people think that that character that the person is on stream is the real person. And maybe their shtick is being a jerk or being a troll or being more aggressive or more hype. When in reality, they're also, like you said, joining other people, hyping their teammates, making sure everybody is hyped for their tournaments. And if somebody gets into a match, you know, congratulating them and hyping them up and and just distributing that feeling, like you said, of of family and community. I know it's a kind of an overused term to, to say we're like a family here, but I think that it's a, a lot easier to see through that when it's coming from a mega corporation and a lot easier to see the truth in that in smaller, more yeah. close knit groups. And I see it a lot in in StarCraft professional gaming. And I think that that's really awesome. And I want to thank you for helping cultivate that. Yeah, no, I, I, I do very little, to be honest, if, uh, if it wasn't for if it wasn't for them. Uh sort of being on the same page it, it wouldn't really uh it wouldn't really work it's i i can't say that we have a single person on our teams that wouldn't do the exact same thing um and they do like i've got people that stay up until all hours of the morning to practice with someone in a different um region or it could it could be someone uh, like um someone that would normally charge for their services let's say that and they're not forced to, but they might scrap a few hundred dollars in charges just to help somebody else out. It's yeah, it's we've we've got really awesome people involved uh, in the team. I think it's also interesting to to be able to cultivate that kind of uh, culture because it's an individual game, right? Like if yeah. if you were a if you guys were a MOBA team. Yeah. Well, now they have to play together, so it kind of makes more sense. But when everyone's individuals, I can see where it'd be easy for people to kind of silo themselves yeah. off. Um, so that's pretty cool that you're able to, to foster that environment. So a question, we've had a few you know, pro gamers or, or former pros on. Um, and I, this is a question I'm endlessly fascinated by. And so I'm really curious to see what your take on it is, is not the pro gamer, but the, <laughs> the kind of the manager of all this stuff. When it comes to what makes a pro gamer, um, I, I, I don't know how to, I, I, I feel like I have to add this preface still. So, you know, in, in professional sports, when I say professional sports, I mean traditional sports that are physical. There are physical characteristics that people have that are obvious. You know, if you're going to be a basketball player and you're six foot seven, that goes a long way, right? But when it comes to esports, there's not really the same physical obvious traits that a person can have. And I think that a lot of people's perception is that it's just time spent, right? 
but I don't think that's true. <laughs> um, at least my Steam library would argue that yeah. because I have a lot of hours of gaming <laughs> and I'm terrible at most of them, right? So, but anyway, so I mean, what is your take on kind of, and it's probably a blend, but that what makes someone able to go to that level? Um, is it more time spent? Is it a natural talent? What, what, what's your thought? I'll say it's a mix. Like you can't be good at something without putting in the time. But then at the same period, if I I got to, I think like 4.8K after 300 games of SC2. If I put in 10,000 games, I'm never getting to 6K. Like I know my <laughs> right. limitations. It, it just, there's, there's a certain time that that's just going to fall off. So there is obviously certain characteristics. Some people will naturally be better at than than others. Um, for instance, if you've got someone that just cannot multitask or cannot see two steps ahead, uh, there's certain titles that probably they're not going to do well and doesn't matter how hard they try. It's not their fault. It's just they're going to be better at, at something else. Um, but I'd say the most important factor that I've come across, and and again, it, it comes down to players, is it's just your mindset. Uh, it's seeing when you lose, it's you, it's okay to be a little bit upset with yourself. Um, it's natural. Like if, if you do something and you're like, I, I knew not to do that, but I did it anyway, that's, that's fine. But again, you have to not... Your self-worth cannot depend on your success uh, in the game. That's, that is a big thing that I struggled with, um, as well as a lot of others that um, are learning. Uh, like uh, You should take it as a learning experience. It is, it's definitely it, just because you lost in a big event against someone that's not necessarily as good in the game as you are, just take it as a learning experience. And if, yeah, if you do that and you're just constantly looking at, at ways to improve analytical, look, this is where I'm struggling. Go and talk to other people because if you're doing something wrong and it's affecting you, you're obviously not doing it on purpose or you generally not doing it on purpose. It's something that you don't see or you don't know how to do better. So speaking to other people in the scene as well uh having another pair of eyes just to look and go hey have, have you tried this it's it's the ability to adapt as well as just persevere when things aren't going well that i think really determines whether you're going to be successful in pretty much that pretty much just embodies everything uh, not just standard sports esports business um it's yeah, if, if, if big uh, entrepreneurs gave up after one or two bad ideas, they just would never succeed. So I think perseverance is, and, and the ability to adapt is, is a big point on that. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I think it's also great that you brought up, you know, that your, your success kind of doesn't define you, not to find your self-worth through you know, what you're, what you're doing or what you're creating yeah. or crafting. I think that it just in general is really good life advice. Mm -hmm. That is, it's one of those things where it's, it's simple, but it's not easy. Um, cause it's really easy to see where something may have value 
and and make that external, but to really internalize it and make sure that you're keeping yourself first is is super important. So yeah. again, kudos on that. So um, we've spoken some about this uh, already. Um, you're really involved with your players on a day-to-day basis. And I'm, it sounds like even a moment-to-moment basis if you're spending almost the entire day, you know, helping with the team where you can. Um, you did mention, you know, bringing coaches in uh, in some circumstances or instances and kind of with having an international team being almost on the clock 24-7, do you have a practice schedule? Is it you know, independent per player? Are there times where you try to get the bulk of the team together? Or is there just kind of a general expectation for players to put in X number of hours a day? Yeah, it's it's very flexible with that. So we've got, I'm just, I'll just use the CS rosters for an example, because that's a bit different. It's a team environment. We've got the team manager um, that also plays on the team they are responsible 100% for the training schedule and any events they're going to play in. There's no point me ever being involved in that. I don't know the full capabilities of the player. I don't know if they're feeling burnt out today as a team um, or what they need to work on. I'm not a professional CSGO coach. I don't know if they need solo practice, if they need this, if they need that. So I leave that completely up to them, which a lot of people have criticized me for. But so far, we've got two rosters that are both performing high above what they were expected to perform, even with losing half of their players. So I sort of just let them, they've got a job to do. They know what the job is. Um, they know what the end goal is, how they get there. Unless they need my help, I'm not going to try and force something on them that I actually know nothing about. Um, the same with SE2. There's the general expectation of being present, but again, it's if someone's going to be gone for over a week, Generally, this is my message to them in the beginning is just tell me that you're going to be gone. That That is literally all I expect from them is just tell me so that I don't worry that something has happened to them. Um, with regards to practice, again, uh, I don't, even if I check in with everyone, I don't know everything. I don't know how everyone feels. I can't spend the entire 24 hours a day doing that. Um so again, I, I sort of just trust them to do what, well, if they want to succeed, which I've, I mean, I've, I know them all personally now, which I know they want to succeed. So there's no reason that I have to sit and chase them on if they've practiced this week or I think more important questions would be, is there anything you need help with, which I generally ask them. Uh, when I do it, look, do you need coaching? Do you need practice partners? Do you want to play in more events? Um, is everything okay out of the game? It's I generally leave it, say like you would word it as leave it up to the professionals. They, they know what they're doing. Um, and if it's something that I can't help with, so we've got the wellness coach and the psychologist for that as well. But if they feel that they need coaching in game, um, 
as in a special case, then they just tell me and I'll get that sorted as well. Um, we had one of our players frisk last week, I think it was last week, Friday, or it was the Friday before, that did a three-hour coaching session with Zest because he felt that although the others may have um, provided a lot of benefit, that there was something, a special connection between the way this person thinks and plays and the way that Zest does. So, again, I wouldn't know that. I was just, okay, you need a coach. Let's contact whoever that's good at coaching. Um, he or she will always know better than I will what, what they need. So I just need them to tell me. They just tell me what they need, and if we can do it, we'll do it. And if I can't, I'll try and find somebody else that that can help. So, oh, I was just going to say, on, it, on the flip side of that, Sam, and, and are there things that you do to help, like, I don't want to necessarily say like a team builder, but something that you can kind of help players blow off some steam. Like, do you have a smash tournament night or something where you play something completely outside of the norm just to kind of bond or anything like that? Or you guys stay more focused? It's generally a bit separate. So we'll, as much as it seems serious, we did the NA team league, um, which was with Alpha, uh, NA Apprentice Team League, I think it was, um, for the last three months. That would look like a, something that was organized. That was actually to completely blow off steam. If you saw the Discord chats before each of those <laughs> as well, it was absolutely ridiculous. So we do, like, we'll occasionally play some team games or we'll play a different title completely, but... Uh, like there might be CS or just something else to have fun. Um, Pili Pili sets up events, same with David, where they do like uh, free-for-alls on zombie maps and a whole bunch of different things there. But most of the time, it is just banter. Like the majority of our communication is is just, yeah, it, it's really ever serious unless it's on a one-to-one -one basis. So, yeah, it's... I think the most serious conversation we had during that team league was one of the players, and this is going to sound like BM, but it was funny. Uh, uh, one of the players asking if he is allowed to mano hatch the other person. As <laughs> and I was like, yeah, go for it. Don't worry about it. It's, yeah, That's awesome. so it's, yeah, it's, it's just, I, I try never to make them feel pressured when, when they're talking to to the rest of the team. I, I, people often have full-time jobs and families as well. I mean, I've got three kids. I'm married. I've got work. I, I could so you not just sleep. don't sleep. Are, 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 yeah. are you yeah. a machine? <laughs> um, <laughs> I'd say on average, like, I think yesterday, I slept from 9 o'clock at night till 11 o'clock at night. And then the previous day, I didn't sleep. And then today I slept probably like, was it like four hours? I think it was like four hours. Really yeah. banking it up there last yeah. night. <laughs> yeah. So I'll, <laughs> I'll head back to bed about 10 o'clock uh, in the morning. So that's about eight hours from now. And I'll sleep for maybe three or four hours and get up again. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, from what you've described, though, it sounds like, you know, you, you just really foster an environment of, of trust. And, you know, what you're talking about with with not micromanaging the players is 
is autonomy, right? And mm-hmm. and I think that leads to dignity. Um, and I think that that's a really, really valuable thing that a lot of people don't get in their job, right? Um, mm-hmm. And so it sounds like a really attractive place for for a player to, to, to be involved with. And you've mentioned a few different titles. Just to, to be clear, what all games is Genesis Gaming involved with currently? Uh, we're involved quite heavily are going to be involved even more in csgo um it's sc2 it is dota and it is hearthstone at the at the current moment um however we are always looking to branch to potentially branch out um again it falls on time one of my main thing things were if i don't have time for the new title even if there's good players, then we're probably not going to go into it. I don't want it to ever be where the players have to set up an appointment a few days in advance to speak to me. So, and again, I don't want to stretch the funds so thin that it restricts growth in other areas. So, yeah, that's the, that's it at the moment for for those titles. But always looking to to branch out as long as it's not Fortnite, anything but Fortnite. That's yeah. <laughs> fair enough. That's fair. Yeah. I think we've pretty, pretty well avoided doing a Fortnite episode on this podcast as well. So yeah, I, even, no. I even at one point swore that I was going to try it because as a gamer, oh. I some, some like responsibility to have at least played the thing that's so popular. And I just, I just can't like, I watched it and I had to have another friend explain to me what I was watching, which made me feel so so old. No, it's, it's like no. I I just uh, uh, I never understood the game. Like I can play it. I don't understand the point in it. It's like a shooter, <laughs> but ninety percent of the game is building instant buildings that you're right. going to break to shoot people. Like it really like it. It, it no. It makes no sense to me whatsoever. Well, and yeah, the community is. I'm sorry, the community is the worst community you <laughs> ever find in esports. It's oh no, it's horrible. I don't even want to like, set up events for it. It's like no. <laughs> well, you said you're involved with Dota, and that's I, I I've yeah. dabbled very little in MOBAs, but my experience with the Dota community was significantly better than my experience with the League of Legends community. I was going to say the same thing. Yeah, Dota's better than League. Yeah. So. It's, it, it, it's because all the SE2 and Warcraft players play Dota. It's, it's, they, they, they stay away from League. So right. uh, I say that, but Ghosty spent like four hours playing League when he was supposed to be practicing. So yeah. <laughs> I would have forgiven Among Us. But yeah, League. yeah, League of all the games like you could play. You could play Minecraft, but you had to play that. It's, uh, no. That's fair. So I, I, the, the answer to this has probably already been given uh, when you provided your schedule. Um, but outside of managing all these teams, all this, are you playing video games? Like, do you play games yourself for enjoyment? Like, is, is gaming just work or is there any pleasure there for you? I love gaming. So it's like, th- there's two things other than obviously my, my family, other than that, that I really enjoy. And it's music and it's gaming. Um, it's just, yeah, I, I play whenever I can, whether I'm on a Discord call. Don't worry, I'm, I'm not playing a game right now. But um, <laughs> most of the time, it's uh, 
I'll play team games with with just some of the guys in the team, or I'll play some CS:GO. Uh, there's one of these other games, Satisfactory. So, oh yeah, mm, yeah. Yep. So the I have a mind that's just always trying to work, and it can get very stressful. So if I find a game that's similar to Satisfactory, um, where it takes a lot of different thought and planning. But at the end of the day, it's relaxing. There's no time limit. There's no, and if you want to pick it up for ten minutes and put it down, you can. So I'll probably have Lord of the Rings. I probably have about thirteen thousand hours. Ark Survival across my eight accounts, I have probably like eight thousand hours. Uh, Starcraft, probably not as much actually. Um, yeah, if I had to put it into games, including Brood Wars, it's probably like only 5,000 games or so. Um, and CS, probably about 4,000 hours in that. So you could say like 20, 20-odd 20 K hours. It's, I mean, gonna... it probably helps that you don't have to sleep, you know. Like... Yeah, yeah, it does. It does the uh, rest of us just get those hours by leaving the game on overnight, but you're yeah. actually there. So. Yeah, it's it it caused a, a big problem at once. My, my wife got really upset with me because uh, I got a, a laptop. So I was I was working from half past three in the morning until nine o'clock at night, uh, and this was for a few years. And then she'd fall asleep about half past ten. I would play until half past two in the morning, and then do a four-hour commute to work an hour later. <laughs> yeah, it's a... Uh, yeah, if you see me online in the middle of the night, it's 100% I'm not AFK. <laughs> I'm playing that game. Huh. Uh, so this is completely a tangent uh, that's not related to Genesis Gaming or anything, but you mentioned Satisfactory, so I have yeah. to ask, have you ever played Factorio? No, I actually haven't. So... Oh. You yeah, should. I took I you took should. a look at it, and only probably about two days ago that I, like in the recommendeds on YouTube, the um, I can't remember who who it was. There's a a YouTuber that sort of just breaks every game he plays. Mm-hmm. Um, can't remember his name, but then I saw he also did a video on Factorio, so I want to try that now. Yeah. I have seen it. Probably, so probably Spiffing Brit or uh, Spiffing Brit did a couple on Factorio. I think yeah. uh, Gray Still Plays may have done one. So. Yeah, it's a it's a solid game. I think you would really enjoy it. Yeah, it's I've played both it and Satisfactory and Satisfactory is certainly visually a lot more rewarding, I guess you could say, because it's 3D and it's pretty and all that. But um, Factorio eliminates a lot of the tedium that is in Satisfactory because of the isometric view. And uh, oh, man, you can get lost in that for maybe thousands of hours so (laughs) that's that's a problem for me it's like even in satisfactory i have to have everything like 90 degree angles everything Mm -hmm. in space Mm -hmm. and i could get like 100 hours into something and then find out that oh i'm going to be one block short so it's not going to be even i'll demolish the entire thing and go start again somewhere else like it's no well that's more than me i'll just quit (laughs) (laughs) i'll just quit forever That's what ended oh, my Terraria career. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Uh, well, something that we always um, that we always like to ask our guests, and it's you know kind of the the theme of our show. 
is just it obviously you're a very avid gamer but uh, the theme of our show is why gaming matters um and it's a very broad question that has a wide range of answers so there is no no right answer they're looking for but when you hear why gaming matters what do you what do you think of or what is your what is your response to that it's to me as as much as there's so much um bm and and online bullying and everything else look you get that in in everyday life as well but the the connections that you can make while gaming really it's it's something that you might never have that chance outside of it so let's say you're someone that's a little too short for people's liking a little too tall for people's liking a little too skinny maybe a little bit bigger than what people like you look a certain way you've got this religion none of that actually matters when you're gaming because the person really doesn't care about it uh, unless you just really are one of those people. Um, and yeah, it's just that, that connection that people can have when gaming, it's, it's something that bridges like every, every divide that we have in the modern world can be bridged just through a whole bunch of people sitting down in a room playing games. It's, they don't even have to be in the room anymore. It could be someone in Japan and someone in, the South America or someone in South Africa, someone in the UK, it's, yeah, it's, I haven't really found anything else that can just accomplish as much as, as what gaming can. So yeah, I'd say, I'd say that's it's the people that you meet and just the opportunity to be yourself uh, is much easier and it carries over to stuff out of the game. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd say that's why gaming really matters. It's just it's just building up those connections. Yeah, that's a that's an awesome response. Um, I I you know I've I love I love more than anything to get completely lost in a game. Like the the metric I use is like, do, am I paying attention to what time it is? And if yeah. I'm not, then then I'm I'm sold, right? Yeah. Then that means I'm hooked. But what I actually find is that usually when that happens it's because of a social element to it, right? So th that connection you're talking about is, it definitely resonates with me quite a bit as well. Um, well, I, I again, I, I uh, given your schedule, I cannot thank you enough um, for coming on the show. Brett, did you have anything else you wanted to ask or cover before we wrapped up here? I would feel terrible <laughs> taking any more time. Like... <laughs> well, fair enough. Um, well, well, Genesis Gaming sounds like, a, like I said earlier, a really awesome environment for 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 gamers and um, a really quality group to to root for 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 fans. Mm -hmm. um, it's built with all the right um, tenants in mind, and and I I just think it sounds really really awesome. And again, can't thank you enough for your time. Um, obviously, we will have links to you know website and things like that. But is there anywhere that you would like to direct people to 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 connect with uh, Genesis Gaming? I'd say. Uh... The main thing is just our Discord, which I'll keep the link up, and Twitter, and just our Twitter. Um, pretty much anything that goes on, uh, whether it's memes or something serious, can be found on our Twitter. So, yeah, that's that's mainly it. Um, you can find pretty much everything there. Okay, cool. Well, we'll make sure and have links in the show notes. Again, Trevor Gray with Genesis Gaming. Thank you so much for your time, man. It's been a pleasure. Uh, no, thanks for having me on.
So that's all for our episode today. If you like this episode, consider buying us a coffee at our Ko-Fi page, which is ko-fi.com slash P-O-I-S-Pod. Or just tell a friend about us because word of mouth really does make a difference. All of the links that we discussed and the links to our social accounts are available in the show notes. And if you'd like to hear more from either of us on topics outside of gaming, Walker's podcast, The Walk Show, talks about the walk of life while interviewing various guests. And my podcast, Dungeons and Dinners, is where the love of fantasy is food for thought. 